Good morning. Welcome to Grace Point Virtual Church. We're so glad that you're here with us today. I hope you all had a wonderful Christmas on Friday. Um, we're going to continue with our story from last week into Matthew chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles opened, or if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and find Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to work our way through the story today. Um, a couple of announcements here is Beth Blackman is still requesting volunteers to help clean the church. It's just like a come in on Thursday or Friday. It's it's like once a month or so. You can email Melanie or, or Beth Blackman. It's in the e-newsletter. And if you're available to serve in that capacity, that would be wonderful. And with that, let's pray and get right into Matthew chapter 2. Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this uh, Christmas season. Lord, as we uh, continue um, just during this holiday break, we ask that you would lead us now as we look at uh, the story of Jesus's like early months and, and years, potentially. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would uh, just help us to get into the story and, and see what is here in the Word. We ask that you would bless our time with one another, and it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, I debated reading the story or not reading the story. I, I think I want to read chapter 2. So I'm going to read through chapter 2. At the, at the end of the story today, I think we're going to take communion. So if you need to pause the computer or the TV to, to, to make preparations, you can do that, or you can just do it later on your own. Um, but we are going to, we're going to look at the story here. So Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah, in the days of Herod the king, Magi came from the east... Or, arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him, gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people. He inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him in Bethlehem of Judah, Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we do thank you and praise you uh, for this story. We ask that you would lead us now, and it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. All right, so I'd I just read the first six verses. It's, there's, there's 23 verses here. I figure it might be best just to sort of attack them sort of a bit, bit by bit as we work through the story. We're, we haven't been going through Matthew. We don't know the whole context. And I think reading the long passage, I fear it might lose some people uh, in this context. So we're going to just kind of look, look at this um, just sort of bit by bit. Looking at verse 1 here. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod, the king, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, "Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Uh, for we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him." So, so last week we looked at the story of sort of Joseph receiving the the word about Jesus from the angel, kind of grappling through what he was going to do about Mary. Now we we ended last week with the birth of Christ, and so now the story uh, picks up. Jesus 
has been born. He's in Bethlehem, located in Jerusalem. This is or in Judea, excuse me. It's about five miles south of Jerusalem. And we're told that this happened during the days of, of Herod the king. So uh, the Herodian family, they had all, they had all sorts of uh, people referred to as Herod, and they were sort of an evil and wicked family. So during this time, we're, we're looking at Herod the Great, who ruled, um, I think it was from 37 BC to about 4 BC. This is, you know, Jesus enters and our calendars kind of get mixed up. So, uh, so he was king before Jesus was born and then for a handful of years after his, his birth. Now, in this story, this isn't going from chapter 1 to chapter 2. This isn't, uh, uh, you know, day-by-day day uh, like re- recitation of like the story or reciting of the story. This is some time has elapsed. We don't know how much time has occurred between chapters 1 and chapters 2. This is a great theological debate, and the, the, the main thing that we know is the word that's used to describe Jesus in this account for, for who he was, it's a word to describe a, a child, not an infant, not a baby. And so he's months old, maybe a year old. It's, it's really just hard to know, but this isn't, this isn't just you know, a, a baby, like a newborn um, baby. So there's, there's some questions about how long, how much time has occurred. So he was born in Bethlehem. We see that it was during the days of Herod the king. These are historical markers. Everything about Jesus' life is set in history. Uh, Also in the story today, as we continue through Matthew, Matthew is written to the Jewish people who cared about uh, promises that have been made by God. And throughout today's account, we're going to see this word so that it was fulfilled. And these little details of of the story that's given, these are... Vast amounts of of prophetic uh, things that were told by the prophets that would occur when the Messiah came, and Matthew points out the details of how Jesus did indeed uh, fulfill these things. All right, so Herod the Great. Just a little about Herod the Great. Um, he was known as King of the Jews, which factors into the story. So he was placed. Um, by, Her- by, by Rome to sort of rule over the, the Jewish people. Now, he wasn't exactly Jewish. He was Ed- Edomite. And so what that means is he's a descendant of Esau. He was despised by the Jewish people. His sort of, uh, his, his, his authority, his reign as the leader of the Jews was, was really in question. This would be, a, this would overshadow the story when these magi would come and and talk about the king of the Jews appearing, so uh, this would be this would be a, a threat to him and and his 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 place over them. Uh, he had a just a his family line was evil. Um, they were inbred. They did horrific things, murder, just ter- ter- terrible things. We'll see some of that a little bit later uh, in our story today. Uh, what sort of history does leave about him is he was a prolific builder. So if you go to Israel today, you're, you're going to visit sites like Caesarea Philippi with the, the great Colosseums and the harbor that he built. Uh, you're going to go to Masada and you're going to see 
um, the, the fortress that he built there. You'll go to Jerusalem and you'll see the, the temple that was built up by him. Uh, so he was a prolific builder with, with just a terrible legacy that he left. And so these magi appear from the east, and this is months later. This, this isn't in the Christmas story. This isn't our nativity scenes that have him. Jesus is born. Those guys shouldn't be there right away. They, they should appear a little bit later. But we're told that they, they saw a star in the east, and that notified them. We, we speculate that there, there must have been when the Jews were scattered, that while they were scattered, they left some, uh, some Jewish books with them, that they had sort of some insight about this. But they weren't, we don't really think that these guys were, were, were Jewish, but, um, but had some sort of information concerning the Jewish faith. And so they were notified to the star, uh, and, and so they, they came and they, they sought to worship Jesus, born the King of the Jews. And so this is a beautiful, sort of a, a huge event that God is using these events to lead these magi uh, to baby Jesus. And when they arrive in Jerusalem, verse 3, we see when Herod, heard, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Um, he's troubled because if a legitimate heir to the throne, which Herod was not, was there, then then his whole authority, everything that he had, uh, his whole kingdom was in jeopardy to being overtaken. And so he's troubled. And when this very unstable man gets troubled, it would naturally cause all of Jerusalem and the people to be concerned because they lived under his wrath. So he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him, gathering together, verse 4, all of the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. So he grabs his scribes and the Pharisees and he says, okay, open up your books, open up the scriptures. Do we know where the Messiah is going to be born? Is there any sort of um, evidence? Do, do, we, do we know where he should come through. And so they said to him in verse 5, in Bethlehem of Judea. They say, yeah, we know exactly in Bethlehem, five miles south of Jerusalem, this is where we're told the Messiah will come from, where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what was written by the prophet, and they're referring to Micah 5.2. And they quote from this verse, and it says, and you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And so they point right to the city of Bethlehem. They say, this is where the Messiah is to come. And you would think by these uh, historic prophetic events starting to unfold in their midst, you think that they would bow down in worship and excitement for the coming Messiah. But this, uh, this isn't what happens. Their hearts are hardened. Uh, they become resistant to the, the, the plan of God and what he is doing in their midst. And we shouldn't be surprised when our culture and the people around us reject Christ and, and, and don't fully uh, embrace him for who he is. We're, our culture is okay with 
Jesus in the sense of uh, getting Christmas gifts and putting up Christmas lights and sort of singing Christmas carols of the holidays. But when we look at the actual advent of Christ, his being born and the significance, uh, this is huge. And everything that we kind of celebrate, like the gifts and the lights, this isn't really, it's, it's a, it, I mean, it's almost a joke in light of the reality of what we, um, the, the benefits that we've received through Christ and his coming. And so the story unfolds in verse 7. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me that I may come and worship him. And so he, he, he calls the Magi. We're told he does this in secret. And he knew that they were in his town. He knew that they were looking. He wanted to get all of the, the details. Now, when did you guys see the star? And they were not in that region. They were far away. And I think he's trying to gather facts so that he can take care of this threat to his kingdom. And so he says, go into Bethlehem and see if you can find the child. And then when you find the child, report back to me. And he tells them, oh yeah, I'll, I just want to worship him. So this whole plan is formed under this false pretense that he wants to, to worship Jesus as Messiah. It's a, he's, it's a total fraud and God will protect them from falling for uh, his ploy. Verse 9, after hearing the king, they went, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went, out, went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. Now, the discussion amongst commentators is, is fascinating. Just, um, I'm not an, I don't follow astronomy and I don't know all the stars and this stuff, but they say, well, the stars don't travel from the east to the west or the north to the south, and so this doesn't make sense. And so the big question is, what is this star that they're seeing? They're like, could this be the Shekinah glory of God actually leading them? Like in the, like in the Old Testament when they were wandering through the desert, it was like the very glory of God that sort of guided them by night. And they they wonder, like, was this not even a star? Was this the, like the, the presence of God sort of leading them? We, we don't know. But what they describe as a star led them right to the place where Jesus was. Now, where it says where the child was, it doesn't say where the baby Jesus was. So Jesus has grown and developed a little bit. Uh, we don't know. Six months, a year, we, we just, we don't know. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly, with great joy. So they saw the star that they saw before. They knew that they were at the location and they are getting excited. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and they worshiped him. This is a very normal reaction to Jesus. When we encounter divinity, we fall down and worship. Um, Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And these are gifts that are are worthy of a king. These are not um, cheap gifts from the dollar store. These these are very significant gifts that you just don't give to anybody. This This is a huge thing that they're doing. 
and having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi had left for their own uh, for their own country by another way. And so God warns them in the middle of the night. They hear God's voice. They hear. They sense God's leading. They don't go back to Herod, and they basically take a different route not to be found by Herod to back to their own country. And I do think there's a lesson in this for us, especially as we are about to head into a, a new year next week. Um, just in us leading our lives, there's so much noise out there. There's so many things that are kind of like speaking into us, and there's so many temptations and things that draw us away. We need to be careful to be listening uh, to, to the voice of the Lord. And we do this in a number of ways. We're about to start through the chronological Bible this year, Debbie's, uh, to the, you know, the, the, the Bible trivia, the monthly game that we play. It's a lot of fun. But just reading through as a group uh, in the e-newsletter, there's a plan you can join with us or you can do it on your own. But we want to be in the Word of God, going through the Bible so that we uh, tune our hearts to the voice of God that we're able to hear Him. And I do think that as we go about our days to hear God's voice saying, come or stop or wait, um, we really, uh, there's, there's wisdom here in seeing how they heard God, they responded to God, and they obeyed God. That's what we want to do in our own lives. Verse 13, when they had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and he said, get up. Take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. I can't even imagine. Like the word I have in my notes is inconvenience, but I don't I don't know that like inconvenience is is the right word, like the the fear, the horror of this this reality. You know, we live in San Diego, California, and I, I have kids. And if God said, "Hey, it's time for you to leave California. Just, just pack your things and and flee. Go down to Mexico as quick as you can. Take your family." I, like any sort of like imagining of this, I, like it won't do it any justice. So Joseph now is taking Mary. He's taking Jesus, and he he's fleeing to this land returning to Egypt sort of thing is where they had basically left. He's taking young Jesus, and they're going to spend a lot of time there. And just in the recent weeks, I've been sort of previewing the, you know, the series, The Chosen. I, I, I don't, I'm not giving any sort of endorsement at this point. But at one scene, Jesus encounters an Egyptian, and he's able to speak Egyptian. I was like, huh, I never really... You know, it shouldn't surprise me that Jesus could speak Egyptian. I mean, Jesus is God. He can speak whatever he wants to speak. He can understand all languages. But in his humanity, like he was raised in Egypt, and so he was probably, um, you know, he spoke multiple different languages, and Egyptian was one of them. And so here Joseph is told, take your family and flee. Um, on one hand, it's a, this this beautiful picture of, of God's protection of Jesus and his family. Uh, we have the weight of, of this, this brutal man, Herod, uh, his shadow that he casts over Jesus and his family, th- threatening him and intimidating them in very real ways. Um, Jesus was born into, lived under 
just great threat of persecution and persecution until he was executed by Rome. So we shouldn't be surprised if we who follow Christ face resistance and persecution from the world. So much of Christianity is trying to fit into the world around us, trying to be liked by all because we, we like everybody wants to be liked by their neighbors, their friends. But the message of the cross is foolishness and, and it's offensive. And so if we live for Christ, there is going to be resistance and, and pushback. Jesus himself said this, um, at, the, at the Last Supper in John 15, verses 18 through 20, he says, If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. And as we look at the sort of the, the Christmas story and these events surrounding Jesus' birth, it's not like his, the persecution and the resistance towards Jesus started um, later in life. Like he was born into this uh, oppression of, of King Herod, um, basically desiring to seek him out and to destroy him at great lengths that his family had to, to flee into another country. And so it really puts our suffering and our afflictions and our inconveniences into perspective. We, we really, here in the United States and California, haven't experienced this to this extent at this point. Uh, we continue into verse 14. Uh, Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night, and they left for Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill, there's that word again, Matthew concerned with prophecy. None of this was unforetold. This was to fulfill which had what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. And so here, Joseph's inconvenience, he has to flee in the middle of the night, literally just probably taking the clothes on his back and whatever he can gather to go, and he flees. And it's so often, like, like for us to see our inconveniences and the, the trials and tri- like the things that we go through, to think it's such an inconvenience, it's such a pain in this world, all of these things that are happening to us. And if... What Matthew kind of points out is these inconveniences to Matthew were a part of something bigger that God was doing, that his inconvenience was actually fulfilling prophecy that he may or may not have even been aware of. And I think there's a good lesson in that for us, that in our inconveniences and the struggles and trials that we go through, that to kind of get the bigger picture, maybe God is actually using this trial that you're going through today, whatever you're wrestling with, most likely God is actually using this trial that you're going through to, uh, to, to accomplish something greater. Last week I mentioned the book um, by Elizabeth Elliot about suffering is, never for, is, suffering is Never for Nothing. Something I forget, I don't have the title written before me. Uh, but I read it this week and I, I, got through, I got through it pretty quickly. It's a short little book. 
and and just talking, just just seeing the world view of Elizabeth Elliot, who lost her husband and and another husband to cancer, just looking back at at those things, the sufferings that she went through, and to see how God really used them in her life to shape and mold her, and to do something beyond herself through that. Clearly, like in Joseph's story here. God is doing something bigger than Joseph, even though it's a total um, inconvenience for Joseph. And I do think that we need to keep our eyes sort of at the horizon level to see the whole tapestry in our lives so that we don't get caught up in the weeds of the, the suffering and, and things that we go through at our, at our small scale. We go on in verse 16, and it says that when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged. And he sent and he slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all of its vicinity from two years and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. Then what had been spoken through Jeremiah, the prophet, was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were no more. I have in our, my notes, our lives really aren't that bad. To think of these children that were uh, taken through fulfilled prophecy, through the rage of this lunatic Herod the Great. Um, it's interesting, critics will look through history and they say, ah, well, this, this, this story isn't found anywhere in history. It's only recorded in the New Testament that he did this in this very location. And historians will point out that, that really... For him to a small little town in Bethlehem, who knows how many kids this is, this doesn't even register on the scope of the evil, the things that he did in his, in his lifetime. This is a man who killed multiple of his own children, like many of his own children died at his own hand. Many of his own wives died at his hand. And so for some Jewish kids, some Jewish boys to be killed in a small little town of Bethlehem, this... This, this, this isn't anything historically for, for Herod because he was so evil. And in verse 19, we're told that, But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, and he said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel. For those who sought to take the child's life are dead. So Joseph is told by the angel, it's, this, this is past, you can return home. It's over. Um, whatever trial you're going through now, it will pass. God is in control. And quite frankly, we'll, we'll get through it. 2020 was rough, but it was a blessing. There, was, there were good things in 2020. And 2021, I'm looking forward to. So Joseph got up and he took the child and his mother, and he came to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea <clears throat> in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warmed, warned by God in a dream, he left for the regions of Galilee. And he came and he lived in a city called Nazareth. This was to fulfill which was spoken through the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. You remember how I talked about the evils of uh, Herod's family? So now we have a son that's now ruling over the region. God says, okay, you're safe now. Go there. And Joseph thinks, okay, great. We're going 
we're going to head back to, to Israel, but now his son's ruling. And so like God relieved one fear of the father, but then this, this new threat, this new worry is, is, is still there. And I think that this kind of happens. God takes care of one thing. And if you have the gift of, of worry or anxiety, you know, it's, it's really easy to see all of the things. And so he, he presses forward. It doesn't necessarily mean that, that, that there's, there's no other concerns. Uh, the Bible Knowledge Commentary says this about Archelaus. He was noted for tyranny, murder, and instability. He was probably insane as a result of close family intermarriages. Uh, he ruled from 4 BC to AD 6, so he had a very short reign. But this guy, he's, he's, he's insane. And this is where Joseph is going back to. And this insane leader is actually safer than his father from God's perspective. And so Joseph decides that when he goes back to the region, he's going to go to Nazareth. And if, it, Nazareth. And if you go to Nazareth today, this is, you know, I kind of laugh. It's like the valley center of, of San Diego. It's like up in the hills. It's away from the, 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 you know, the main town. It's sort of hidden. It's, it's sort of away. And so he goes up there. And in doing so, we're told uh, that, again, that this was to fulfill which was spoken through the prophets, that he shall be a Nazarene. And so a lot of commentators, it's not very easy to find the exact location that this, this prophecy is given. And so uh, what they believe is back in Isaiah 11, verse 1, it talks about like a, a shoot will come out of this area or a branch and so this, this word branch, you can connect it to the word Nazareth, which, which sort of the, the idea is that this, the, the, out of this insignificant beginning, something great would happen. And so that's what they, they think. And so uh, as I've been pondering the story, I, can't, it, I, I, I was sort of led to chapter two here, uh, just as we did look at the Christmas story last week and looking at this one now. Um, this the the shadow of Herod being cast over them. Um, Two thousand year was a year like any other that I've experienced, for sure in my leading of Grace Point Church and the, like the thirteen or almost fourteen years that I've been here. It's been a difficult year. Um, I I truly have reached the place through some hardships and and some struggles um, through this year where I'm truly grateful um, for what God has done in my own life and in the life of our church through the coronavirus. He has used this to, to strengthen us, um, to, to give us some resolve and priorities that we didn't maybe have before, that we're able to sort of what are the, the main things and the essentials, and we've banded together as, as a body and I truly believe that as we enter into 2021, we are stronger than we were heading into 2020. And so I'm deeply grateful. Uh, as we celebrated Christmas this week and are sort of still in the, the Christmas season, our family stays in the Christmas season until New Year's, and then after at New Year's, kind of the tree comes down and all the direct decorations come down. I... Um, it's easy to forget 
about the dark cloud that Jesus was born under and the, that, that he didn't just come into a lovely period in history. He came into a very dark place in history under uh, a king that wanted him uh, destroyed. The Herodian family was, was brutal. And I, I don't want to take this too far, but cer- certainly California... Uh, just listen, reading a book earlier uh, this week, um, you know, the book mentioned, you know, California is the, the most, it's not even a book about California, but it just referenced California being the most liberal and the most um, opposed to religion and um, things that are, that are happening. I, you know, I serve on the board of alternatives for a pro-life medical clinic. And just the who we have in office here, there's just a lot of persecution coming towards us and resistance towards us. And um, so like Jesus in that respect, we we do live uh, under a shadow of some of this, you know, liberal ideology that is is not friendly towards Christianity, is not friendly towards Christ. And so for those of us who remain in California and stay true to the Word of God and, and reflect Him, we, we need to be reminded that even in our midst, in the midst of these times, when we are in the minority and going against the, 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 the flow of mainstream thought, that God is still in control. He is still working and moving in our midst I'm encouraged as we come to the end and we're going to take communion. I don't know if you're ready with your communion, but today as I take communion, I'm, it's just, when I look at communion, it's, it's about the, the essentials, the basics, like what is Christianity? And when I see these elements, I'm reminded of Jesus's broken body, that he died for me, that I might have life when I hold the, the juice. It's a reminder of the new covenant that I'm secure in him. And as I go into 2021, I need to abide in him and walk with him. And regardless of what's happening around us in our world, we're to pray for our leaders and we're to walk faithfully with God and to trust him for all that he's doing in our midst. And so that's my prayer, is that as we enter in this year, that you would walk closely with Jesus, that you would trust in him, uh, that you would give your life to him, that you would grow in grace and knowledge of him, and that as you walk with Christ, that he would bless you in ways that you can't even imagine. And so with that, let's pray, and then we'll take communion if you're ready. Uh, Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your word. Uh, We are grateful, Lord, for all that you're doing in our midst. Father, as we take communion today, we're reminded of Jesus's body uh, that was broken for us. We have the juice which symbolizes uh, the new covenant, his blood that was shed for us. We thank you that we are secure in him. Father, we ask that you would help us just uh, to seek after you, that we would long for you this year, that we would lean into you and trust you uh, for whatever comes our way. Uh, We are grateful, Lord, for all that you have done in 2020. Uh, You have drawn us to yourself. You have helped us to... um, just to, to, to really prioritize the things that are most valuable to us and you've stripped us away of things that maybe are not uh, so important in the grand scheme of things. Father, we love you, we praise you, 
And we ask this in Christ's good name. Amen. Well, I hope you have a, a wonderful week celebrating the new year. I do look forward to hearing from you. Uh, so please, you know, send an email, text. Um, just let me know how you're doing. I hope you have a great week. God bless you all.